Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its spin-off Angel. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us at patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. A couple hundred years ago, the only thing you had to worry about was a hangover. Tell me you're an investigator. More or less. Today, because of your curse thingy, you can't sleep with anyone. I'm not a teen. I'm your boss. Or else you might feel a moment of true happiness. You got already an addiction to the brooding part of life. Lose your soul. Except for the bulk of it, I was nearly tortured to death. Becoming evil again. You're a demon hunter. Road demon hunter. And kill everyone. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Thanks, Cornelia. Oh my. Yeah, it's cans again, but it's worth it this time. It is worth it. Yeah? Oh my. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was terribly done. I do not know how to properly pour beer. Yeah, you pour it down the side. Ass. Oh, but the foam tastes good. Oh, it's spilling everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I think we're doing a show today. <laughs> we don't often talk about the beer on Beer with Buffy. But hey, we have beer. Do we talk about it on Ale with Angel? We do. <laughs> Welcome to Ale with Angel. I'm Rex. Hey, I'm Josh. We're, we're still Beer with Buffy. We're yeah. just doing Ale with Angel. Welcome to Ale with Angel, a subsidiary of Beer with Buffy. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Today's episode is season one, episode four, I Fall to Pieces. Of Angel. Yes. Yeah. I said that already. I don't think you did. You just said okay, today's. It, it was implied. You just said today's episode. It was implied. Okay. I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm just clarifying, you know, not trying to step on your toes, man. I'm I'm thrown back by the beer, okay? Ha ha ha. Because I made an excellent choice. It is called oh, man. Black Metal Stout. It is a 6.6% stout made by a local brewery called Elk Brewing Company. Yeah. Up in Grand Rapids, oh, Michigan. Same place where they make boomsticks and armies of the undead. <laughs> the armies of the undead weren't made there. Sure they were. Well, their heyday was there. So that's all that's really important. Fair enough. But yeah, they make boomsticks there. Yeah. Shop smart. Shop as smart. Goddamn right. I mean, around these parts we call it Myers, but <laughs> <laughs> No, the the joy here, folks, is that Happy, happy <laughs> Joy, joy. I have a story about that, but I don't want to share it on the podcast. Yeah, I know it's, you hate that. It's <laughs> I fucking hate that song. But you know, it's you said something about the joy of the something around. Yes. And that's what happened in my head. So here we are. This is the first time I have tasted this beer. Josh got it while he was out working one day, and we've been waiting like a fucking week of these damn cans sitting there taunting us, just waiting to be drank. <laughs> God damn, these cans are sweating like pigs. Good thing they're not squealing like piggies, or we would have to kick them off the sound set. Yeah. That would be problematic at best. Yeah. Sound set. <laughs> Someone get the Hard boom. air quotes. Sound set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you allow cats on this sound set? Oh, dear God. Honestly, I think that'd be one of my biggest problems with recording in a professional environment. Mm -hmm. Edgar couldn't be here. 
Cats. Shit. <laughs> we got swine. <laughs> you want to see our horse section? Looks a little bit like your face. I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Rex is going to go ahead and read read off a couple of reviews. We're working our way through our backlog still. Waiting on some people to get off their asses and write us some new ones. <laughs> Let's see. First one I will read today was uh, from all the way back in April of 2019. God damn, those were good times. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, I miss before them. the world was I miss ending. them like I miss George W. Bush. <laughs> they weren't that great, but they're better than what we got now. <laughs> Anyway, this review is by Smashed Snail. Smashed Snail says, Listen to all the available episodes in the last week. I appreciate the level of detail you give to each episode. Every time a scene is discussed, I can see it in my head. Maybe I've seen Buffy too many times. I still own all the season box sets, even the first. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Angela. Well, thank you, Angela, for your five-star review. Yeah, you... Maybe you bought the one that I took into the video store <laughs> and sold. No, because they had like 80 of them. That, that, that seems unlikely. Yeah, it's very unlikely. Our the place was just lousy with season ones of Buffy. <laughs> Honestly, it was not that bad. It no, was I, not that bad. I mean, <laughs> you got to be in the right mood for it, I think. Okay, then our second review for today was by Rello the Teacher. This was all the way back in... November of Rello, the teacher. It just gives me an image of walking into high school and your teacher's smoking a blunt. Because Rellos. Rellos are what you buy. Oh. To, right. it, they're cheap cigars that you take the tobacco out of and you put weed in them. So you got yourself some blunts. I, that is not an area that I know anything about. <laughs> I don't know much about it either, but I know that much. Well, you did work in a liquor store once. I did work in a liquor store, and that's how I learned that. I did not know that before. Okay, I was, so... I was like, man, why do people <laughs> love these cheap, shitty cigars so much? <laughs> okay, so Rello the Teacher, titled, Love This Podcast. This podcast helps me get through work. The nostalgia is sometimes overwhelming, but in a good way. I enjoy their take on the episodes as well as their humor. Can't wait for an Angel Podcast spinoff. I need more episodes in my life. Well, good news! <laughs> You're there. <laughs> Here we are. So overwhelming in a good way. I'm going to put that right on the shelf, right next to highly inappropriate. <laughs> I'm just going to start making plaques for myself. Oh, and you will. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get off my ass and I get back to doing some more crayon drawings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need them crayon drawings. And All right, how about some patrons? And then I got to work on the Keanu Reeves coloring book. Yeah, I just want to take a moment to credit all of our executive producers, also known as Patreon supporters. I like calling them executive producers. That feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. And it's designed to make you feel good, all of you executive producer types, such as Meredith McCaslin, Rose Clark, C in quotes heaps, Andy Burgess, Kefro Gnome, Father DeFinistrato, Alexandria Ware Van Brunt, Kelly McAdams, Shuby Pathic, Carol Jude, Ollie from the Heart, and Carrie Phillips. Congratulations, you can put that on your resume. You are now executive producers for El 
I almost said Ollie from the heart. Shit. <laughs> for ill with it, for Ollie with Angel. <laughs> Ollie, when you gonna be on your own damn show? I'd like to know. Anyway, you're any official executive producers for Ale with Angel and Beer with Buffy. Eat yes, it. yes. Hmm? I said yes, yes. Yeah. Just, you know, agreeing with you for once. I that's why I was confused. <laughs> so <laughs> in case anybody missed last episode, we have Two, we're doing a giveaway contest for two, count them two, Keanu Reeves coloring books. They are crushing color coloring books. I actually went and I looked through them uh, between last recording and now, and uh, it's like really sexy, like designed to be sexy, but for like a middle schooler. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh dear, I hope I don't get it. That's it. I hope I don't get in a car accident and they're like... (laughs) Oh, <laughs> Josh was definitely hiding something. <laughs> I, um, I knew he liked the movie Speed when he was a kid, <laughs> but this is ridiculous. No, um, hey, it's, it's completely a man's right to appreciate another man in as much of a sexual or non-sexual way as he so f- seem, deems fit. Or something. Are you going to cut me off with anything ever? Nah, just let me I'm just keep letting going. you go. All right. This is entertaining. All right. Edgar, <laughs> lube me up. Edgar's a cat. <laughs> and sleeping. Well, <laughs> I was talking about a slip and slide. What were you thinking of, Rex? I mean, it doesn't matter. He's still a cat and sleeping. It's a very hot day. You're right. Cats don't like water. I don't know where I'm going with this. If How you, about towards a mom synopsis? If you know where I'm going with this, give us a call at 269-743-0783. And if you have a good answer, you might just get that third coloring book. Who knows? Maybe. Probably not. No, that's... But we do need more voicemails. We haven't gotten one in a while. Yeah. All right. So regarding this Keanu Reeves coloring book contest, we have actually decided on rules. Yes. First and foremost... <laughs> As of this episode, right now, as you're hearing this, the contest is officially live, and we decided to go with the Keanu Reeves Buffy Angel mashup pitch. Do you want to give us a quick explanation of how that works, Rex? So what we want from you is a paragraph story pitch. Maybe even a title. That's optional. But mainly just one paragraph of what the mashup story is. Give us all your crazy, nasty, weird shit of what you want to <laughs> see happen with Keanu Reeves and or any character from Buffy and or Angel. And it doesn't have to be Keanu himself. It can be one of his characters he plays or multiple characters that he plays. Right. Yes. Any Keanu Reeves character. So you have a whole plethora of shit to choose from. Guy's got a pretty extensive filmography. Indeed. Yeah, so we definitely don't want any full novels. We don't need any full stories. We only want, like, you know, four sentences to a half a page tops. Ideally, it fits in a tweet. And to enter into this contest, we will tweet about this contest. You can reply to that tweet. We will make a post in our Facebook group as well. But you can also email. Hell, if you want, you can text our voicemail line. The phone number, by the way, is 269-743-0783. So just to be clear on that, 
we prefer to keep everything in one place and that you find our post. We're going to pin it on Twitter and on Facebook and comment on it with your paragraph pitch of your Keanu Reeves Buffy Angel mashup pitch. Also leave your name and the city that you're from. We're not taking any international entries because the mail system is too fucked up and too expensive right now for us to mail this thing outside of the U.S., We've had poor luck with that in the past. Blame COVID. (laughs) There's definitely a shark somewhere wearing our t-shirt. Yes. We're pretty sure the ship that was bringing all the rejected mail from the UK sank and it is just gone. (laughs) So So to restate that, tweet in reply to the tweet we have about the contest, comment in reply to the Facebook post we have about the contest. Or if those really don't work for you, you can text our voicemail or email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. Correct. And no matter which option you choose, you must leave us at least a first name, last initial, and the U.S. city that you are from. Yes. But the contest will be going from September 14th, when this episode is live, so midnight, Mm -hmm. to September 26th. 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Very specific, because we will definitely need to know who the winner is before we record. And we normally record Saturday nights, so that's why the arbitrary, seemingly arbitrary time that we've set for the deadline of that. Yep, it's a very short contest. If you're listening to this episode the day it released, then the next episode, we will be announcing the winner of this contest. Damn right we will. Yep, we'll be picking a winner. Whether you put it on Twitter, whether you put it on Facebook, or a voicemail. Hey, speaking of voicemails, Rex. Yeah? We did get a voicemail from Rafi. It's Rafi, by the way, with an F as in Foxtrot, not Ravi as in Victor, like we were saying, because it's short for Raphael. Oh! Yeah, and we haven't heard from Rafi in a while. Yeah. But, uh, sorry Rafi, you had a really shitty connection, and I could not hardly understand what you were saying. And that is unfortunate. Yeah, so, but I already messaged him and I said, go ahead and call back, but we'll have to work you in next time. Like, I caught a couple of things, but the whole second half of your... Well, I will be looking forward to that. Yeah, whole second half of your message was just gobbledygook. Time for that mom synopsis. Or are you still doing the dad synopsis? Joshua, what are you doing? Still living in your little fantasy world? What'd you call it last week? Your, uh, your fantasy kidney? What's that? That's like a joke on a on fantasy football. Well, uh, yes, Dad. Everything's fucking football related. God, I mean, it's not like the reality kidney has a whole lot to fucking offer these days. And what fantasy are you even talking about? Making enough money to live on my own someday? Yeah, it's the new fucking American dream, asshole. Why do you think I drink? Well, don't go fucking up both your kidneys now. I might need one of those someday. <laughs> And do you think I'd just toss you a vital organ just like that, huh? What? You don't think you owe your old man a kidney? <laughs> hey, hey, just because you treat your dick like a sperm vending machine doesn't mean you can treat me like an organ vending machine. I am so disappointed in you, Joshua. <laughs> I do all these things for your own good, and what do I get in return? Wait. You mean all that verbal abuse and neglect was actually love? (laughs) Oh, God, you make it sound so gay. I'll just throw homophobia on the list. Hey, if you're just going to be an ungrateful little shit, 
then I'll just take what's rightfully mine. Give me that fucking kidney, you little bastard. Hey, 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 if I'm a bastard, that means you had me out of wedlock, you fucking douchebag. My house, my rules. Now get in the murder chair and do what Pop Pop says. And that's where kidneys come from, everyone. <laughs> Which is as good of a tie-in as I think we're going to get for today's episode of Angel. So, so Cordelia and Doyle are on their perpetual journey to profit from their labor, those greedy, lazy fucks are still pushing Angel to charge for his white knight services. With another of Doyle's visions leading them to a woman named Melissa, they have a hell of a time figuring out how her stalker is spying on her. Well, spoiler alert, he practices psychic surgery enabling him to remove his own body parts such as eyeballs and hands and telekinetically send them on missions. With a little help from Detective Lockley and some clever fast thinking and a little luck, Angel and the Scooby 2.0 starter kit manage to lure the creeper into Angel's abode where they are free to murder him and discreetly scatter his body parts, completely in self-defense of course. <laughs> Melissa shows her gratitude in a variety of ways such as houseplants and money. Hooray! I could use some houseplants and money. <laughs> Definitely. If only those houseplants were made of money. Right. Or vice versa. I want a houseplant that grows money. I want, yeah, I want money that turns into a houseplant, but after you spend it. Um, or maybe that's just how you save it. I don't know. I'm not sure about the physics related to houseplants and money. Right. I don't have either. Edgar, you ever going to you gonna use your botany PhD sometime soon? <laughs> You're just going to sleep there and let us pay the rent. Fucker. He's just going to sleep there. Ladies... Gentlemen, spiny-headed bitches. Soon as the sun goes down, 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 down. As the sun goes down, 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 Competition is a beautiful thing. Cold open. We open on the office where Cordy is complaining about bills, 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 bills. And Doyle is getting very, very bold in his come-ons to Cordy these oh, days. Yeah. Clever, but, I mean, Xander was clever, and it didn't really make him any less creepy. I think he's coming off at least less creepy than Xander. Oh, he absolutely is. Um, at least Doyle doesn't seem to be acting entitled, just persistent. Right. A lot of it comes off as harmless flirting. Yes. Yeah, I can, I can get on board with that. So they've got all these bills to pay. Yep. Angel doesn't want to ask people for money. Well, how the fuck are they going to pay bills? Yeah, seriously. And how the hell do Cordy and Doyle both have apartments in L.A. and no fucking income, Rex? I'm very confused. I'm very confused by apparently they have a rent payment to do for the, these goddamn offices. How was Angel supporting this way before they had Angel Investigations? Yeah, seriously. I assumed he was just squatting. Like, there's... Maybe? They clearly don't have any money. Yeah. I don't know why Angel's not worried about this at all, but that seems to be his M.O. is he squats places. But yeah, so whatever. I think these are just plain Jane old-fashioned plot holes, and they just didn't give a fuck. Come on down to the Plot Hole Emporium. We've got all the plot holes you can ask for. Endless resources from inexplicable means. We've got it. 
complete lack of character motivation for essential plot driving story mechanisms, you can't write without it. Nonsense collapses in intellect and sudden inability of well-established characters to think things through. What a life hack. And my personal favorite, not giving characters important information, but somehow they just know anyway. It's a plot hole blowout bonanza. Come on down and get your plot holes before we plot your hole. <laughs> Rex, did you leave the TV on? You know I don't like infomercials. They make me too happy. That was good. (laughs) Plotable Emporium. You're welcome. There's more where that came from later. Oh, man. So anyway, they confront Angel who drinks coffee. Hold on. There's a humor here that I love. First off. Yeah, fill in some holes. Cordy and Doyle are talking and they're like, oh, we need to talk to Angel about this. And they're like, well, we should be sensitive to his needs. Hmm. And Cordy's like, we're going to be strong. We're going to talk to him. But after he's had his coffee (laughs) and Angel comes in and he grabs the coffee. And yeah, for some reason, Angel drinks coffee and it's during the day. So why is he even fucking awake? But anyway, I digress. Explains why he needs the coffee. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, So he he pours coffee and he drinks it and he's like, oh, what is this? This is horrible. And Cordy's like, it's last week's coffee. And I just have to say, there's a funny Uh, joke here. uh, (laughs) There's a funny joke here because I partly think that Cordy was like, oh, we're going to talk to him after he's had this horrible coffee as a way of like hammering in the point that we're broke. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. Um, Also, coffee gets moldy. Yeah. It, <laughs> I would estimate in about a week if you let it sit that long. I actually knew someone once that uh, would make coffee and then dry out the coffee grounds to be able to reuse them. Oh. I never drank any of this coffee. Yeah, don't. Because why would you? Because God, you. Oh, God, I can. <laughs> like, maybe if you've got a bunch of people over and you want to recycle them right away, maybe. Maybe. Like, it's still not a good idea. The most I've ever done that could be even remotely resembling that is... Because I already make my my coffee very strong. So every now and then when I'm like, oh, I've come to the end of the pot and I want a little bit more coffee, I'll just add a little bit more water. Right. And it'll steep through the same grounds that are there. Yeah. And, you know, it it's fine because I make my coffee really fucking strong. So, mm-hmm. like, that works. But... Anything beyond that, that's gross. Just throw away the coffee grounds. Yeah, it's very, very gross, you guys. Yeah. But yeah, Angel is not comfortable asking damsels in distress for money. And then Doyle has a vision. It's just not right. (laughs) You can take my life. You can take my land. But you cannot take my right to (laughs) save people and look good doing it. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> so, yeah. Then Doyle has a vision. Yeah. So Angel's all like, he's like, no, just no. Brooding really hard at people I save is all the payment I need. <laughs> <laughs> and Cordy's like, but it won't pay for my rent and my designer earrings. <laughs> and he's like, no, but my flappy, flappy, broody coat will batter your eyeballs into submission with my sexiness. <laughs> Flappy, flappy, broody coat. I want a flappy, flappy, broody coat. Well, get you one. 
I need to. There you go. It's um, done. But Doyle like agrees with Angel's point of like, oh, we shouldn't charge people who are in need of help. Mm-hmm. But also he agrees with Cordy in that they need to charge people who are in need of help. But we also need money. Yeah. And then after his little moment of not being able to decide who he agrees with, he has a vision. We are all capitalist pig dogs after all. Yes. <laughs> But after his vision, he has a line here that I really loved. Holding his head, he's like, pen, paper, single malt scotch. <laughs> and then he drinks it. And he's, this isn't single malt. This is poly malt. Did you catch that one? <laughs> yeah. I, I like that even better. <laughs> his vision was about some woman at named Melissa that works at a paper company. They figure out an address real quick, like, and they make it a little bit more feasible this time. Yeah. Because he actually had a name of a company from the vision. And an image of her and a name of her. Yeah. And so. we even know what kind of a company it is. Yeah. It's the easiest out there is. It's just like the fucking office. It's a paper company Yeah, thing. And then Angel goes to work. We, yeah, he does. We kind of skipped over. He the, works it. We kind of skipped over the little bit that Doyle was going on about Angel earlier. Yeah, a little bit. Because he's going on about how Angel likes to be dark and broody. and Oh, yeah, it's not really his bag, you know. It's, he loves being the, the savior type. And, you know, asking for money is not part of that image. With the dark and the broody and the flappy, flappy coat. Yeah. <laughs> Cordy's like, sounds like you're a little attracted. He's like, oh, no, it's just, you know... A man's got a right to appreciate <laughs> another man without, you know, being called gay. Uh, but, you know, I, I have... A, <laughs> me and Doyle have a lot in common here. Yeah. Angel but, is to Doyle as Keanu Reeves is to every man. <laughs> yes. Ever. <laughs> but as Angel walks away with his flappy, flappy coat, Doyle looks after him and says... Maybe I'm a little attractive. Yeah, he's, he's a little half. He's got a little pup tent there. He's a little half mast. Um, <laughs> Angel wow. swoopity swoops out the door. Opening credits. I do. I do have to say. Now that we're four episodes in, the opening sequence is starting to grow on. Yeah, it's growing on you. That's, yeah. I told you. I feel better about it. Excellent. I'm still a little disappointed. It's not Buffy, but. Well, nothing ever will be. Yeah. Yeah, just like this will never be beer with Buffy, but it is ale with Angel, and that's that's its own thing, and it's, it's going to be great in its own right. It already is. Yes. We just have to although, you know, keep making it great and make it greater or something. Although, <laughs> admittedly, there's probably many more differences between Buffy and Angel as shows than beer with Buffy and ale with Angel as shows. Uh, uh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> not here. So, cut to a generic office setting. Where there's cake! Lots of cake. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa is sucking up to her new boss with a deafening glurping noise as she presents her with a birthday cake. Which has the wrong name on it. Yeah, clearly anybody who's unfortunate enough to work with this woman needs to suck up to her to quell her deep-seated control issues. Because she walks in just pissed off from the get-go. She's like, what the hell is going on in here? Oh, a birthday cake for me. <laughs> yeah, Thank she doesn't you. really seem to bo- be bothered by the fact that it had the wrong name on it. 
She was pretty clever with the quippy. And Melissa gives her a plant with a handmade vase or with a handmade pot. And she's like all about it. Like, yeah. No, like she comes off in the first fucking line is like, oh, great. She's she's a dragon lady. Uh, terrible boss. Yeah. I think it was just overacting, really. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't think her character was meant to be written as, like you said, a dragon lady. Good term. I like that. But yeah, she she seems like a pretty decent boss. And then uh, as they're exchanging the gift of plant, uh, another dude who we never learned the name of uh, comes up with some flowers. Yeah, some asshole deliver. walks in with flowers. Yeah. Delivers flowers, but the flowers aren't for boss. Melissa's boss. They're for Melissa. Yeah. And they're from Ronald. Yeah, she opens the card, and we get some serious foreboding music right away. And it's it's playing so loudly that even the guy handing her the flowers is concerned for her safety. He's yeah, like, he, you he okay? can hear it. He can hear it. <laughs> Your theme music just got really dark, Melissa. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and she, you know, has to run to the bathroom, and she goes to the bathroom, and she takes... Three little yellow pills. Yeah, they're like, I was like anti-anxiety meds of some sort. It was like three pills is too much. It seems like a lot. Yeah. And there but there are some anxiety meds that are take as needed. Yeah. So anyway, she pops the pills, then she she's like, Alright, watch my phones, so I gotta go. And they're like, Okay. And I'm like, Yeah, because that's every job ever. Yeah. Okay. Angel intercepts her in the parking garage. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go well. Yeah, I mean, could have been worse. Yeah, he, he could have been maced. He could have been there to kill her. <laughs> I That too. I mean, he wouldn't, but you know what I mean. So he's suggesting that she might need his help, but since he's only there because his demon friend's vision told him to, he comes off a little suspicious. So she promptly fucks off, but she takes his card at least. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the office. Angel investigations. Where Angel is worried that he scared her off. Doyle suggests that she sounds like she was scared already, which she was. He's so insecure. We don't often see him this insecure. It's like, am I really that intimidating? Uh. Which brings another quote of the day. Go on. Cordy says, well, as vampires go, you're pretty cuddly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. She's not. She's not. (laughs) As far as vampires go. yeah, Yeah. Definitely. So then they argue a little more about the money issue, and Doyle finally hits the nail on the head why it's not wrong to ask people for money. And the way he presents this is fucking fantastic. It is. It absolutely is. He says, no, it's about doing what's best for the people you've helped. People get attached to a mysterious savior, and can you blame them? But as long as you're just a man who's doing a job and getting paid, they can feel like they've paid their debt to you and they can move on independent like yeah yeah and it's <laughs> fucking was hoping that wasn't coming <laughs> i think i'm getting better with the accent though it's getting more realistic in yeah. less less cartoon leprechaun but you still got to throw in that I cartoon still- <laughs> leprechaun <laughs> bam out of left field that's how i roll <laughs> it's not out of left field we expected at this point oh I don't see angel putting on tights. Oh, now I do, and it's really disturbing. Protecting young women such as yourself? Oh, yeah, there's been uh, four. And three of them are very much alive. Moving along. City Street. At at an automatic teller machine machine. (sighs) 
too easy to piss off. It's... <laughs> People always say you wouldn't say an automatic teller machine machine, would you? Oh, but I would. Ronald even says pin number in this. <laughs> I changed your pin number, Michelle. Who or... fucking cares? <laughs> Melissa? First well, off. It rolls off the tongue and everybody knows what you mean. Irregardless. Fuck you. <laughs> um, first off, she was stupid enough to have her pin be her birthday. Her birthday, yeah. That that is a bad call. Uh-huh. <laughs> but second off, like yeah, it's very upsetting that he changed her pin, but she can walk into the bank and be like, "I need to change my pin." <laughs> Yeah. And change it to something else. Also, he needs more information mm. than just her fucking pin. I almost said pin number. <laughs> just her pin number well, to be able to change it. Maybe it depends on the bank. I don't know. But Can, also, he was her doctor. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, well, yeah. He probably has tons of information. But so, yeah. Getting a hold of like, all of her personal information is... If nothing else, she can go to the fucking police. This is a legit crime. Like, he did a crime and she can have proof because he had to have gone to the bank and like been at the ATM to change her pin. They keep records of that shit. There's no way in hell. Like that's fraud. She has an out right there. Huh? Interesting. She doesn't know he has supernatural powers for fuck's sake yet. Yeah. So yeah. If you haven't figured out from our rantings yet, like we didn't set up the scene at all for these people, these poor people. We're oh, just no, ranting no. about stalkers, <laughs> like psychopaths. So Melissa's getting some money, and this dude in a suit—he's almost as creepy as the fucking pedophile-looking dude from yeah, it was last episode with Spike. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the torture vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except. Uh, He's, he's got he that. was like a mix between the torture vampire and Principal Snyder. <laughs> Interesting. Just taller. Yeah, he's so like he's, a taller version of Principal Snyder. So he's got this vacant stare going on, and he does yeah. it really well. He's like, he knows how many pills she took in the bathroom, what she did with her other medication that he prescribed her. And this shit just escalates so quickly, and she's obviously terrified. And he's got this sick fantasy going on in his head. She's like, you have to stop doing this. And he's like stop looking after you it, it, it was it, were, it was very mayor-esque yeah only less charming less endearing stop looking after you why i just want you to be happy and healthy silly how can two people in love leave each other alone don't get upset i take commitment pretty seriously and i know you do too and he tries to kiss Ugh. her and she's like ah yeah, apparently they had one date. One date. Uh, the, the whole fucking storyline just kind of bothers me. Yeah. Well, well and that's kind of... Yeah, they mix monsters with, you know, feminist issues. Yeah. And, you know, stalkers, scary fucking men. Like, men are fucking scary. And this is real shit that people have to put up with. Sure, they don't normally end up being, you know, what he is, which we haven't gotten to yet. So... You know, even if they were a couple, holy boundary overstepping, Batman. Yeah, no shit. Shit. Just, fine. Oh, dear. I couldn't help but notice that your bowel movements seemed a little forced on your second break today. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. That boy ain't right. No shit. <laughs> yeah, she tries to fuck off like you do. 
He reminds her to take her money and card from the automatic teller machine machine. <laughs> and then his pager goes off, you know, if we didn't need anything else to date this show anymore. Uh, hey, doctors still use pagers. Yeah, that's like the only people at all that still use pagers. I use a pager at work. When did you become a doctor, Rex? I, I'm I'm emergency personnel in a in a senior housing facility, and we have a alert system, a pendant system, and I have a pager that's connected to it. I told you no, I will not play doctor with you. Stop trying. I don't, sometimes I worry you're delusional. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I worry that your pager doesn't work. Because then how will we play doctor? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's where the joke was. That's where the joke was. So he tries to kiss her and she's like, honey, aren't my cold, dead, hollow eyes enough to prove my love for you? No. What about this severed head of that squirrel that wouldn't stop eating your gardenias? What does it take, sweetie schnookum pie? Do I have to kill your whole damn family for you? Women, they're just impossible, aren't they? Christ. <laughs> I mean, am I right or am I right? Right. I don't think you're right. Right. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Uh, and now we're into Groundhog Day. Yep. Why not? It's a great movie. It is a great movie. <laughs> so at Angel Investigations, they get a phone call from Melissa. Yeah. And she stops by. She says that she's on her way, and then Angel's like, I gotta change my shirt. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. Uh, well, he was, they were like, well, maybe you should try changing up the whole black on black thing. Yeah. They thought maybe that was what scared her off. Just a little too broody for a day walker. I mean, to be fair, it is kind of standoffish. Yeah. Too much black is too much. Not too much. Uh, much too much. <laughs> kind of hot in these rhinos. So... Uh, do, do, do. Doyle, uh, so Mel stops by. She gives him the rundown. This guy's been stalking her for like six months, yep. and he can see her everywhere, and she doesn't know how he's doing it, and she's really freaked out, as she fucking should be. He was her surgeon. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he uh, he operated on her optical nerve and saved her eyesight, so she felt obligated to go on a date with him when he asked afterwards, which is sick, sad, and wrong that she should have to feel that way and be put yeah. in that position. But, uh, so Cordy at some point drops the money bomb. She's like, by the way, our services cost a nominal fee. It's very affordable, I promise. And then Doyle takes Mel home, Melissa, whatever. She says, thanks, you guys have been really kind, listening to me and takes a drink of her coffee. It's terrible. Doyle says, we're going to take care of that. She replies, no, I mean the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, Doyle takes her home. Yeah. And, and on her way out the door, she's like, Angel, how did you know that I needed help? And he's like, oh, I have a, I have a friend in the police department, which really only begs more questions. Welcome back to the Plot Hole Emporium. You need some bad <laughs> lies that other people just accept? We got those too. We'll plot you into a hole faster than you can hole up in a plot. We promise. <laughs> Plot Hole Emporium might have to be this this episode title. <laughs> so, so now Angel's all caught up in the conundrum of how Ronald is uh, managing to spy on her when he's not around. Uh, Cordelia 
is trying to wish her skin crawly feeling away. Yeah, and well, she brings up the point of like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural. Some men are just stalkers. Yeah. But he, Angel counters with, yeah, but Doyle doesn't get visions about them. Right. She's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of far back, isn't it? And she had a big line about that. I didn't write it down, though. Um, and her, her last line in the scene is, okay, Flesh, anytime you want to stop crawling is okay with me. Mm-hmm. I think I've got it figured out, Rex. At this point in the episode, it's pretty obvious. So, uh, spoiler alert, everybody, the way he's spying on her is he cursed her optical nerve. <laughs> Obviously, he, he's like supernaturally bugged her eye so that he can spy through her own eyes. Any dumbass could see that's the caveat right out of the gate here. To be fair, that is, that would be very clever. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be the clever plot point to go with on this one? Yeah. No, but then she quips about the coffee and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that coffee is, in fact, the most important substance in the, in the universe. Yes. Your honor, I rest my case. It is followed up only by beer. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty positive that that's what's going on here, though. I think... Uh, my notes tell me that you're not we're, accurate. We're going to have a... <laughs> all right. We're going to have a pretty tough time not going that route. So... <laughs> Cut to Mel's place. Yeah, where she's getting ready for bed. So we're watching Mel undress now, and there's this foreboding music, and I'm like, all right, this is where the reveal is. This is well, how is he? How is he spying on her? Just fucking, what is it? He's keeping an eye on her. Literally. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> This motherfucker has a fucking levitating disembodied eyeball watching her as Ronald sits in his chair at home with no eyeballs in his sockets. No, one, only one eye. He has one eye. Oh, he does still have one eye. Yep. Okay, I, I it, didn't notice that. It's only, only his right eye is off at Melissa's. So, I pose <laughs> you this question, Rex. Nobody at the office sees a fucking levitating eye floating around the building. I thought the same fucking thing. Like, that seems like, just think of how if you're in a building and you see a fly flying around. Yeah. Like, you notice movement. Our brains are engineered to see that kind of shit. I don't like, know about engineered, but yes, evolved, if you will. Engineered, evolved, close same, enough. Same thing. Forward, backward, same yeah. thing. The point is... We're built for that. We are programmed to see movement. A fucking eye is bigger than a fly. <laughs> Welcome back to the Plot Hole Emporium, where the dumbest answer is the funnest answer. Want to make your viewers feel alienated, robbed, and stupid all at the same time? Of course you do. And to top it off, we'll throw in a complete lack of ability to build suspense. We're sticking our plots in your holes all day, every day. <laughs> the Plot Hole Emporium, everybody. <coughs> Oh man, I swallowed some <laughs> some beer down the wrong tube. Oh, that was good. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I like the spontaneity, but sometimes I really wish you would prepare me. <laughs> I will not. I mean, it's better if you don't, but sometimes. <sighs> I like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> 
really interested to see what else you come up with. <laughs> oh man, I that completely derailed. Where we were. I don't remember what we were doing. Next scene, we're at the police department. Ah, yes. Angel goes to see Kate. Yeah, he asks Kate for a favor. She's like, she's very perceptive. She's like, you're either here to ask me out on a date or for a favor. And by the look on your face, I'm guessing favor. Yeah. He's like, I need help. There's a stalker. And she's like, okay. So she finds this report on Ronald that Melissa put in two months ago. She agrees to have a cop watch her building. I don't know if she means her home or her work, but they're going to watch her for a couple of days. Kate gives Angel some sage advice about the emotional abuse Mel is enduring. So yeah, Angel just says to Kate, I have a girl, a client. She's being stalked, and I think it could get ugly. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kate replies, she's being stalked, then it ugly it already is. Oh, yeah. And goddamn, that right there is exactly how the police should always fucking respond to this shit. Yup. But, but it's they not. don't. The system is fucked. Yup. I have friends who are sex workers, and they get this, this kind of bullshit all the fucking time. And the cops are like, well, they haven't done anything, have they? They're stalking her. I specifically... That's doing something. I, I've worked in security long enough to be able to understand how the data in the system works to find people and figure shit like this out. Um, my boss is an old school investigator. He and I have had some conversations about this sort of stuff. And so a friend of mine is a burlesque dancer, and I have reversed stalked her stalkers for her (laughs) just to give her power of information Mm -hmm. information about who they are where they are that sort of thing research and stalking is two different things right but like the point being the number one thing that i can do to help people in this sort of circumstance is to offer up information Mm -hmm. because having information is very fucking helpful yeah but it shouldn't be a thing that a fucking victim has to do. A victim shouldn't have to find information to save themselves. The fucking police should do this. What the hell? Why yeah. is this a problem? I completely agree. My mom got stalked when I was a kid. And I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, one time uh, we we went and stayed at her ex-boyfriend's house for a night. Um, we were doing that regularly because we were scared of this fucker. And I needed to go home and get a change of clothes before I went to school. And we were scared that he was in the house. And my mom called the police. And they were like, listen, lady, we can't come over every time you think there's somebody in your house. Because she'd been calling them. She'd called them several times on this fucker. And uh, we ended up just going to the store and buying me a new pair of pants. And guess what? He was in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Their fucking response is always, well, we'll have to wait till something happens. Uh Uh-huh. And that's such bullshit. Or, well, we didn't see it, so there's nothing we can do. Such bullshit. I'm very fucking grateful that Kate's response here is exactly the kind of response that there should be. That it should be, absolutely. Which, unfortunately, makes the police look a lot better than they actually are. Yeah. Um... I mean, there are there are some police who will actually fucking respond well to this sort of shit. Yeah, but they're very few and far between. And I know a lot of uh, the police in a lot of ways have their hands tied by people above them. 
Yeah. It's not their fault per se, but I feel like they get callous very quickly. Yeah. I don't want to share my feelings. I don't want to open up. I want to find the guy that killed Tina, and I want to look him in the eye. Then what? Then I'm going to share my feelings. So then we cut to the office building for a minute. Yes. And I forget entirely what happens in this part. Uh, Doyle's escorting Melissa through about her day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Basically, all I got from this scene is two really good Doyle lines. There's not really a whole lot happening, but basically Melissa's like, oh, I'm sorry. You have to follow me all day. I hope it's not going to be boring for you. And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. I will crossword or whatnot. He says, Angel's done this hundreds of times. Hundreds of thousands of times. And she's like, oh, that many, huh? And he goes, well, no, but protecting young women such as yourself? Ah, yeah. There's been uh, four, and three of them are very much alive. Three three (laughs) out of four are still very much alive. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's Tina. Hmm. Well, you know, his first first one. What are you going to (laughs) do? nobody's first ever works out (laughs) but the the gold in this scene is completely unrelated to the goings on except for to give us a little bit of background about melissa doyle sees a picture of melissa bungee jumping on her desk yeah and basically the point being here that being stalked has robbed melissa of her feeling of power and control Mm -hmm. so she feels as a victim so she doesn't feel up for doing things adventurous and things of that nature Mm -hmm. doyle's line is mostly unrelated to that she says oh it's me bungee jumping and he goes i always meant to do that but i intensely don't want to so i haven't gotten around to it yeah i liked that one as well (laughs) yeah yeah i kind of i mashed together the police department into one scene and i forgot to go back and write notes for them them at the office i do that from time to time too i do that more often than you do (laughs) yeah we're back at the police department kate gives angel some sage advice about the emotional abuse melissa is enduring and how the power dynamic is just as important as any physical danger she might be in she tells angel to help melissa get angry because that's the only way she'll be able to fight him her line is this guy could go to jail tomorrow angel and still kill her in her dreams every night I've put a few of these creeps away, and the hardest thing is to know that he is still winning. She's still afraid. He took her power away, and no one can get it back for her but her. It got deep and serious and real real quick. Yeah. And it needed to, though. It did. And I love how they're tackling these real issues and weaving it in with these, you know, fun monster of the week type episodes yeah and they're not being very they're not being ham-handed about it they're not taking themselves too seriously but they know when to take themselves seriously and there were a few times early on in buffy where they really kind of failed to do that yeah probably if i thought about it hard enough cut to the doctor's office where angel does some breaking and entering well entering not really breaking yeah Doing some fucking reconnaissance. <laughs> and I actually spelled reconnaissance right on the first try. I couldn't do that. I didn't think I could either. Ask me how to spell recon- reconnaissance. You can't even say reconnaissance. <laughs> no, I can't. How do you spell reconnaissance, Rex? Wrong. There we go. <laughs> 
So Ronald McPsychopath finds Angel, and my God, Angel is a smooth fucking talker here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know his lines are pre-written, but I just really love the idea that he was so so goddamn fast thinking on his feet that he pulls this off. Yeah. I don't think it's so much of him thinking on his feet because he hands this dude a card. He does hand him a card. He's definitely had some time to think about this. You're right. But it's brilliant and a thing that not many of us might have thought about in this sort of circumstance to come in with a backstory already in mind. Yeah. And that's just fucking fantastic. Yeah, whether it was... I mean, you still have to be able to actively have this conversation as this person that you are not. Oh yeah, and, and that like, still takes fast thinking. And I've I've done sales and you have to be that kind of mindset when doing sales sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. It is really not easy. Yeah, so he he's in this doctor's office and Ronald McDuschaldorf comes in and he's like, "What are you doing in my office?" And Angel does the slickest move. He's holding this book that he's looking at and he stuffs it in his coat. As he turns around, he swaps it for the card so it's not suspicious that he had his hand in his coat. Angel is a smooth fucker. It was fucking amazing. I thought I was going to have to do another plot hole emporium bit for a second. And then he pulled it off. So he tells this story about his wife having a tumor that needs surgery and nobody has the nerve, hard air quotes, (laughs) to operate. So Ronald does not want to operate on his fake wife at all. He's like, nah, it's a really dangerous procedure, blah, blah, blah. And he, uh, Angel picks up this picture of Melissa on his desk. And this is perfect. He uses it geniusly. He ties this picture of Melissa into his story perfectly. And it simultaneously gives profound legitimacy to his story, gives himself a reason to return to see Ronald without suspicion and gets a handle on what kind of psychotic fantasy Ronald has surrounding Melissa. Yeah, because he's like, who is this to you? And he's like, that's my fiance. Yeah, and we know that it's not. It's just some poor woman that he's stalking. Yeah. And so the whole thing was just excellently written, regardless of executed. Yeah. It was just really well laid out i really liked how there's a moment when he picks up this picture and angel's like who is this to you and his tone is a way of like you almost think is he gonna threaten this person but he doesn't because this is the main reason he's there yeah this is what he wants to know it's it's fascinating the the way angel plays it out and the way david boreanis acts it is fucking flawless yeah so he says would you die for her Ronald's like, yes. And I believed him. Oh, yeah. Like, this fantasy is deeply embedded in Ronald's psyche. But Angel's line is, uh, then you understand that I'm not willing to make any compromises. I'm not willing to watch her suffer and die while the law catches up with science. That was a brilliant line as well. While the law catches up with science. Because that's more fucking real talk there. The medical system is just as fucked as the police system right now. And uh, so he says, what I'm willing to do is pay you whatever it takes. Think about it, please. And that's the end of the scene. Yep. 
Cut to, I believe it is a hospital cafeteria. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, Cordy's talking to a nurse. One of Meltzer's or nurses. Or another doctor. I, She's I a nurse. I didn't know if she was a nurse or not. Uh, basically doing research using the the handy dandy I'm a reporter cover. Yeah. Frankly, not doing a very good job at it, but eh. Apparently she just doesn't need to because she gives just a little bit of crown for this woman to spill her guts about how awful Ronald is. It doesn't take much at all for her no. to squeal. Yeah. But apparently Ronald is awful. He, yeah, as she says, he is not very generous in sharing his techniques with the medical community, and his claims of his abilities are radical. Yeah. At least. So, back to Angel Investigations. Where Angel expounds on the fact that he is able to get into Ronald's head. And we know this because, well, he's done his fair share of stalking as, as Angelus. So he, he knows... The mindset that Ronald has to be in. Yeah, he certainly has a knack for psychology. It, I mean, it makes sense. Angelus was um, really, really good with emotional torture. Yeah. And we have evidence from at least one line that I can think of off the top of my head that tells us that in the, the Huydenverse, the way vampires function is it's not necessarily... A demon takes over your body and it's just piloting this vessel so much as you you're possessed by a demon, but there's still an element of who you were as a person. Right. That is still you as a vampire, which I think is constantly what Angel's problem is, is he sees what part of the horrible things that Angelus did is him and not the demon. Yeah. And so that definitely contributes to his knack for psychology here. Cordy had a line, one of my quotes of the day, she's like, What is stalking nowadays? The third most popular sport among men? Angel responds, fourth after luge. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, quippy and relevant. But yeah, they got a lead with this book. This book was signed and what's the word when an author signs a thing with a Autographed? Oh, autographed and... Commentiddled? Commentiddled? That's what I said. That's not a word, I don't think. Your mom's not a word. Anyway, so this book that Angel stole is signed by the author, and there's a little note from the author to Ronald. I didn't actually write down what the note said, but it indicated that there was a some sort of personal relationship. Yeah, it's something like, I'm glad you had the nerve to move forward or something this book turns out to be a lead there's this nice little bit where cordy's like did you steal this book and angel says yeah this is good (laughs) (laughs) yeah very disapproving tone at first that's right you steal the stalker shit (laughs) and then subversion oh they never do that but yeah angel's gonna send the author an email but they always do subversion well they do doesn't matter if they do it all the time. That That is a thing that Joss Whedon is just really fucking good at. Absolutely. Yeah, so he emails Dr. Vinper Natpudin um, because he conducted an exclusive retreat for a group of well-known yogis and doctors. And Ronald Meltzer was there. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun! And they cut right to the chase, and the next scene is very much just at that dude's place. Cut right to the Cordelia chase. Huh? 
No, Cordelia's not in the scene. Ah? Oh. Well, shit. Maybe next time. So, Vinper Nadputin's Nadputin's house. His research was based in the the nonsense that our brain's potential is 80% untapped. Was this the moment, Josh? Was this the moment? Oh. (laughs) No. Actually, that's funny. (laughs) See, I figured it probably wasn't the moment that I thought it was. So while Rex was taking notes, I was playing Mario Kart, and uh, he went, ugh, or something like that. Yeah. And I thought it was the spot where they revealed that his disembodied eye was spying on Melissa. No, it wasn't that. It was this, because of the fucking, oh, we only use 20% of our brain power bullshit. Yeah, I always heard 10. Yeah, but in this, it's 20, because he says, 80% of our brain is untapped. That uh, That's science fiction nonsense. Our whole brain does things. Yeah. You can tell because when you fucking plug an asshole into an MRI, <laughs> their whole brain lights up. Yeah. So his shtick here is uh, Dr. Vinper Netpudin. He stopped teaching Meltzer because he did some crazy shit. And Angel's like, so you stopped believing? He's like, no, I started believing completely. It's like, why were you teaching it in the first place if you didn't believe in it? Right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> something, something, blah, 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 psychic surgery. Yeah. Nonsense, nonsense, supernatural, blah, moving along. Cut to Melissa's house. Yeah, where Ronald is a creepy asshole. Just standing outside the gate, just shamelessly staring inside like a peeping Tom. Yep. They Did you notice they hid half his face in shadow so you... you my first assumption was that, oh, his eyes floating around. And, yeah, and that was what I thought, apartment. too. But it turns out the good doctor decides to get a little handsy this evening. Uh, huh? That was my job, but also good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, a cop rolls up and he's like, hey, you stop being a creepy asshole. <laughs> and Ronald's like, oh, I'm not. I just have no hands. <laughs> And the cop's like, oh, oh, we're looking for someone else who has hands. We're looking for somebody with hands. My bad. Um, you can't catch him red-handed if he doesn't have hands. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, come on. You're not just going to... Okay, I guess I can't really argue with that too much. Um, so then the cop hears Melissa scream. And this is the part that I find difficult to believe. The cop looks concerned. <laughs> It's because she's white. (laughs) Oh, shit. And he breaks in to save her. Yeah. With... Shit, what do you call it? Uh, With urgency. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Things that make you go... (laughs) And the scene of the hands, like, crawling under her blankets... This scene legitimately made me uncomfortable. But it made Gomez proud. Because <laughs> Thing found someone, and then Thing 1 and Thing 2 also found someone, and they just oh, seemed God. so happy. Hap, 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 <sighs> happy. So yeah, the cop busts in. <laughs> Not quite Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid Man-esque. But he busts in. He's like, oh... There's nothing in your bedroom and nothing in the bathroom. What could it be? And somehow gets killed by these two disembodied hands? Yeah, disembodied hands, They which must be kinetic, telekinetically powered. Yeah, because, you know, 
their hands, There's you could like throw them. Really, no good way for them to. I mean, obviously, we've all seen the Adams family. If we all just suspend our disbelief for a moment, perhaps a disembodied hand could skitter across the floor quite well. Maybe even climb something. Yeah. Maybe. But leap through the air and choke somebody without <laughs> anything bracing it from behind. Like, that's why you got to put your shoulders into it. Your hands only have so much power by themselves. Yeah. But this dumb fuck just gets choked out by disembodied hands. Yeah, there there has to be psychic force behind this that's, like, giving the hands leverage. That's the only thing that could make any fucking sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. A person needs certain designer things. You shouldn't be trying to eat my friend's brain. My friend's brain. You're a vampire. So she screams and runs outside directly into Angel's beautiful, beautiful bosom. Yes. Shh. Get into my bosom. It's so broody in there. (laughs) (laughs) Cut to commercial. We're back to a crime scene. Yeah. And Kate's like, who is this guy? Houdini? Angel's like, now you're getting it. And Angel and Doyle concoct a plan to cut him down, box him up, and protect Melissa in the meantime. Hold on, when we come into this scene, did you notice that Doyle was spiking the the cup that Melissa is holding? I did not. She has like a blanket around her shoulders and a cup, <laughs> and he's pouring probably whiskey from his little yeah no i know he says later that he gave her whiskey (laughs) in her tea he started at this moment that's funny that's funny i forgot to mention at the very end of the last scene right before commercial i mean actually technically that's poisoning don't right don't don't, do that to people that's not okay she seemed pretty okay with the idea though (laughs) because she was watching him do it yeah (laughs) but i forgot to mention right before they went to commercial it showed the doctor seeing angel and melissa together yeah but yeah yeah he looked pretty pissed off uh kate might have some fingerprints of the doctor which you know yay yeah he wasn't wearing gloves on his disembodied hands dumbass you still have fingerprints and they're probably actually his hands yeah However, the Doyle makes the point of, yeah, that might get him the ability to arrest the dude, but eventually he's just going to skitter right out. For about bars. 90 seconds until he skitters through him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that was one of my quotes of the day. It's a good line. Yeah. Doyle's got a lot of good lines in this episode. Uh-huh. Well, it closes off with Angel stating his theory that if he separates the body parts long enough, they'll be deprived of oxygen and they'll die. Yes. Doesn't matter how good you are at psychic surgery, if the fucking limb is dead, it's fucking dead. It's dead, yeah. Still, you're not Lazarus, fucker. So, cut to Angel's apartment. Melissa is still fairly rattled, as she should be, but Doyle and Cordelia are going to stay with her while Angel goes a-hunting. Doyle is duct taping a vent closed Mm -hmm. and uh, Cordy goes to straighten his collar and like all we see is Doyle standing there and a hand pop out from off screen to straighten his collar. He's like, ah, Ah! and she's like, I'm just straightening your collar. He says, let's say we leave it crooked until this thing is resolved. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Yeah. I actually wrote it in the accent. (laughs) (laughs) You phonetically wrote 
No, I like I didn't do it on purpose. I just I wrote the the quote and I wrote it phonetically just like because that's what I was hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked. Interesting. Weird. But yeah, Angel reassures Melissa that he deals with this kind of stuff often enough. Quote of the day here for me. Angel says, uh, you don't have to be afraid. Melissa says, so you're just duct taping me in for fun. (laughs) And he says, you've survived a living hell these last few months and you're still standing while he's coming unhinged and not being able to control you. He's the weak one. You're the strong one. This episode is just blowing me away with its real talk. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking good. It is. Like, it's not that great of an episode otherwise. No. The the stance and view that they are working with, they're coming from exactly the right place and presenting it in exactly the right way. Yes. Absolutely. So, cut to upstairs, because Cordelia's like, I need to see you for a moment. Yeah. And so she's concerned for Angel's safety, and that's fucking adorable. But, like, the fucking doctor doesn't know he's a vampire. What danger is he in? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Like, the doctor's gonna accidentally stake him in the heart or decapitate him or set him on fire. Like, those are the only three things the doctor could do. He fails to do any of those. Yes. (laughs) And, uh... Also, I mean, this is his chosen thing to do. This is his job. It's... It's like, this is the part that he's good at, is the going and fucking people up. Yeah. And he's dealt with all kinds of crazy shit before, but kudos for Cordelia still, you know, being a human being. Right. And having a heart. Good for her. Which was, you know, something... It just shows how far she's come as a character. Oh, yeah. There was a couple moments in the first few episodes of this series that were like, oh, come on, Cordy, you're backstepping. But she's coming back to where she was yeah. at the end of the the last time she was in Buffy. I didn't feel like they were so much backstepping her so much as that was a technical thing that didn't fit her character. Like the typing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could have done that better, but I don't think it set her back all that much. But yeah, Angel's looking up places where he can get steel boxes at, at this time of night. <laughs> right? Gee, brain. But where are we going to get steel boxes at this time of night? <laughs> pinky i just happen to have a collection of steel boxes that i was saving for the disposal of your body but i suppose we could use them tonight instead (laughs) but (laughs) come on down to the quick discreet body disposal emporium wait aren't you the same guy from the plot hole emporium Round these parts, we know how to multitask. <laughs> we don't just give you bad plot ideas that solve all your problems. We also recently got into the hardware game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that line is so funny to me. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, Cordy's yeah. like... The yellow pages is all you need, really. <laughs> Anyway, Cor- yeah, apparently that's where Angel gets his steel boxes. Um, I think he ends up going to a bank and like ripping out an, <laughs> an, maybe. an empty <laughs> deposit box. Yeah. So anyway, Cordy's like, well, what if he comes apart on you? Uh, Angel's response is one of my quotes of the day. He says, if he comes apart on me, 
He's going to stay that He's way. He's going to stay that way. <laughs> but then the doctor calls. Just like, I'm going to stay broody in my bosom. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Cordy answers a phone call from the special line, <laughs> which is a Patsy line for Angel's alias, Mr. Jenner Jennings. Yeah, but Jennings. I I like to think that Angel has this line set aside and he has like a handful of different a variety of fake business cards mm, right. that lead to this phone. I think that would be brilliant. They do this on Supernatural as well. It actually is, at the very least, a great plot device. I think if I were working in this sort of job, I would do I would set something like that up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Meltzer is ready to do business regarding Jennings' fake wife, and Angel doesn't know that Meltzer saw him at Melissa's house. Right. So, yeah, seems like something he should have thought of, but meh. Yeah. Cordelia continues to be surprised that Angel is running in headlong at this guy. She's like, you're going over there? Have you met him, Cordy? What if he comes <laughs> apart on you? And we already kind of covered that. Um, if he comes apart on me, he's going to stay that way. Yeah. Cut to Meltzer's office. Where Angel comes in with a safety deposit box. A big ass metal box that he found in the middle of the night. Huh. Damn, he really is good. I mean... If you're going to find random things like that in anywhere, you're going to find it in L.A. Right. L.A. and New York are very similar in the fact that no one sleeps. Yeah. There's, there is always places open in those places. It's not so much that no one sleeps so much as there's always people awake. Yes. Yeah. So I know what you mean. So Meltzer knows his game. He's like, well, you didn't have to bring it in small bills. He's like, oh, I didn't. He's like, yeah, I know. And he distracts him with his left hand on the desk while he tranks Angel with his right hand with a little dart gun. And That shouldn't work. But Angel's doing a stellar job of faking going down, huh? Yeah. I was waiting for him to, like, pop up and grab the dude or something. Because the doctor's describing the symptoms of the dart. And it's just about stopping his heart. His heart's not beating! Villain speech, villain speech, villain speech. Don't you know you can never sever our bond? I've been there for her. In the bathroom. In the shower. (laughs) Under the bed. Pleasured her with severed limbs. I'm such a hopeless romantic. It is interesting to me that the doctor's take on Angel isn't that... Angel is trying to save her. It's that he's trying to like horn in on the game. Like he's he oh, right. sees Angel as a romantic as interest a romantic of her. threat. Yeah, right. exactly. But Angel's doing an amazing job of just laying on the ground, writhing and pretending to sweat. I don't know how you fake that, but he pulled it off here. (laughs) So Meltzer finalizes his diabolical plan to kill the love of his life because he's a genius. Yes. Clearly. There's obviously just no other solution. Why would there be? That's what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing to come back on that one with. (laughs) And then Angel really, really seals the deal here when he pretends to lose consciousness entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the only real genius here is Angel. Because 
Obviously, since he doesn't have a heart or any blood circulation and supernatural immortality, this animal tranquilizer has absolutely no effect on him, right? Right? That's how it should be. Rex, you gonna you gonna help me out here? Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, goddammit. Uh, <laughs> this is honestly of all the like I know it's a piddly little stupid plot point issue mm-hmm. but it's one of those things it's like he is an undead creature for fuck's sake they make a point of saying that he doesn't have breath he doesn't have to breathe he doesn't have a heartbeat for fuck's sake spike has a line in it in his song in once more with feeling of if my heart could beat it would break my chest they don't have heartbeats. They can't circulate blood. God damn it. Sounds like someone's in need of a little place down the street <laughs> I've heard of called the Plot Hall Emporium. <laughs> Come on down to the Plot Hall Emporium. You need to get a character out of the way for a minute while the villain does his job? Well, why don't we just go on and pretend that everything we've established about this character somehow doesn't apply to the laws of physics. Character doesn't have a heartbeat. Who gives a shit? Move along. You're welcome. That'll be eighty nine ninety five. Jesus Christ, that's expensive. Thousand. What? Million dollars. You win. Are you just upping the price anytime I act surprised? That's what you'd like me to say. <laughs> we down here at the Plot Hole Emporium don't provide you with any kind of continuity or satisfaction. Now get the hell out. <laughs> I like the idea that they have no continuity on their pricing. Some days we take payment in Cheez-Its. Other days we like sheep. I like to think that the price tags on the shelves at the Plot Hole Emporium change when you're not looking at them. (laughs) I mean, thanks to new digital technology. Yeah, it could easily be done. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly how that works. Or it doesn't work, it doesn't have to work, and you can still move on with your show. Judging by your uncomfortableness, I would say you're either about to ask me out on a date or you need a favor. Well, see, the thing about detectives is they have resumes and business licenses and last names. Pop stars and popes, those are the one name guys. And moving on with the show, we go <laughs> back to the office where Doyle is finishing up taping up things. Things. <laughs> Things, not people. He's not duct taping people. Yeah. I know. I'm right there with you, man. Anyway, Doyle finishes up taping up the doors, not people. Cordy is like, oh, she's out. What did you give her? I gave her a lot of fucking whiskey. Enough whiskey to drop my Aunt Judy. <laughs> that woman had some girth. So, <laughs> funny story. That's not actually how that works. You're actually more likely to get. Uh, drunk more quickly if you're obese. I forget why. Really? But science! Yeah, it it was explained to me at one point in time, and I, I honestly can't remember the real explanation why, but it made sense at the I time. I might look that up later. That's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. So you're saying that because I am more overweight now than I was before the start of lockdown, that I'm probably getting drunk easier. Yes. If it weren't for the fact that I'm drinking way too much and my tolerance has gone up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, fat stores do not up your alcohol tolerance. That's 
That is, it's worth researching, but I'm I'm fairly certain I am making the assertion that that is true, and I forget why. I'm leaving it on you all and you, Rex, personally, to look that up and remind me why. I probably will. I, that's that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple lines I wrote down here between Cordy and Doyle. Cordy is like, "What's the point?" Cordy gets all mopey about the dating scene because she's sitting there looking at Melissa sleeping on the bed. Yeah, Doyle's still on whiskey. She's like, what's the point? And she's referring to dating, but Doyle replies with, well, it tastes good and it relaxes you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you very much. Good old Irishman after my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But no, she was talking about, you know, why bother dating? Because men are terrifying and this is fucked up. Yeah. You know, it's not like men aren't the leading cause of death among women. Oh, wait, they are. Yeah. Doyle takes this as an opportunity to be to be like, well, you know, people need people, and he starts moving in on her, and she's like, ah, oh, no, <laughs> nope. She puts the kibosh on that real quick. I was simultaneously sad for Doyle and you go girl for Cordelia, but Doyle immediately reads the situation. He's like, oh no, okay, and then he stops. Yeah, and that's important. Xander wouldn't have stopped. And that's the difference between them. Xander would have given a little bit more push. Just a little bit more. Just to get the last word in. Yep. Yeah. That's the difference between Doyle being the way Doyle is being, and if Xander is being that way. Yeah, Xander Xander got shitty a few times. Really shitty. In not fun ways. Um, So, yeah. Duct tape doesn't do a very good job of keeping out body parts. Just so you know. Turns out, yeah. So some time passes while a hand slowly rips through the taped up vent and we hear Cordelia complaining on behalf of Melissa in the background. Um, Cordelia gets worried for Angel's whereabouts and she's like, well, what if chopped salad shows up before he does? Meaning before Angel does. Right. So some weird noises start to happen. We see an eyeball float up above the window pane. Yep. Hand crawls up the door and turns the knob, letting Meltzer in quietly. Another hand distracts Doyle and Cordy in at the sewer entrance. Yeah. When they hear a sound, Cordy and Doyle are like trying to fake Ronald out. Quick, act normal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play some cards or watch TV. <laughs> some shit like that. I mean, it's smart to try and do that, but their whole tone... Like you could tell. <laughs> like yeah, if you like it was pretty obvious. Come on. Like, okay, the dude's a creepy creeper, but he's still a doctor, therefore semi intelligent. Yeah. But I mean, if he could only hear them and not see them, and they did not see his eyeball floating. But still their tone just didn't come off that way. I honestly wasn't sure if they saw the eyeball at first. I thought he was gonna take that axe and go swinging at the eyeball. Right. And I really wanted that to happen, but it didn't. Nope. They were assuming he could only hear them. So, yeah, Ronald comes in as the hand lets him in, and he... I love the effect here. He, like, opens his eye socket, and the eye goes in. Yeah, and it just goes... I just want to say, it's a great visual effect. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask you to leave. No, we're not done recording. Oh, well, shit. (laughs) But I wrote... It's a great visual effect yeah. with visual in quotes because that's a good joke. Shish kebabs. 
So there's some rattling in the background. Doyle sees the grate to the sewer yep. getting unlatched by some fingers poking through. Doyle opens it and sees nothing, so he sticks his head down there like a dipshit. Right, what the fuck is wrong with you, Doyle? You deserve to be thrown into the sewer. <laughs> and he is. Cordy gets grabbed from behind by Meltzer just as the hand in the sewer jumps up and pulls Doyle down the hatch. Meltzer goes for Melissa immediately. He accuses her of taking advantage of his kindness. Gaslighting at its finest, everybody. Yeah. I love that this is being used to show us a terrifying villain because that's what gaslighters are. Terrifying villains. Yes. Because it's very difficult to fight gaslighting because most other people are just like, well, they said this and I trust them while you're just standing there going, fuck, 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 for fuck's sake. They're lying. Oh, sure, they're lying. People don't lie. But you just called me a liar, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I've lost entire social circles over that horse shit. But my favorite bit here is that Melissa, she has at this point internalized the things that Angel has told her. And she's like, no, Angel's right. You're weak. And Ronald's like, I'm weak? Then how was it I killed him? Ineffectively. As Angel <laughs> busts through the door going, oh, yeah. That's a very good line. Ineffectively. <laughs> you killed me ineffectively. Yeah. I appreciate that because of my rote response of when people ask me how to spell things. Yeah. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it still makes absolutely no sense that that trank had any effect on him at all. Right. But whatever. It bought some time and it gave us a dramatic entrance. And the fight that ensues is just damn funny. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. <laughs> Ronald launches his teeth at Angel like a fucking cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> just what that- is this, Looney Tunes? <laughs> need that chattering sound effect. Right. <laughs> I, I can't make it. I don't know how to do it without hurting my teeth. No, I. you can't. It, <laughs> we don't have a fully team here. So we can't do proper Foley. Yeah. Motherfucker's a biter. (laughs) And he bashes his teeth on a pillar. We find out that it still hurts. He still has sensation, which makes makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Why else would he send his hands in? Because he wasn't trying to hurt Melissa with his hands. No, he was trying to cop a feel. He was being super creepy. In the creepiest way possible. Yeah, definitely. His teeth are dead now, and he shoots his hand at Angel's throat. Angel topples back into the other room, pulls the scalpel out of his shoulder, and stabs the hand with the scalpel. Yeah. And I imagine that must have been what it was like for our friend Ashley when she was getting her culinary degree and she had to kill a lobster. Oh, it God. It was very gruesome. She told me. She has not told me about this story. Oh, God. It. They were like, oh, it'll just die immediately. They don't die immediately. No, they don't. Because apparently the humane way to kill a lobster is to stab it in the head with a knife. Yep. And then you have to watch it go for five minutes. Okay, the noise you just made really concerned Edgar. He's not <laughs> happy with that. He's not happy about that. Um, and it's like, it's, it's lobster tail goes up in the air. Yeah. Like uh, a, 
you do not put a live lobster in boiling water. Yeah, because that's still less humane yes. than stabbing it in the head. But the other thing is, is it doesn't just immediately die when you put it in water. It thrashes and it's going to throw boiling water around your kitchen. Mm. It just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. They say that you can hear them scream. That's it's, not true. No, it's steam coming out of their shell. Yeah. That's still awful, though. I've I've ste- I've cooked lobster before and it, it I can see how it could be construed as a scream, but it is not. It's not. Knowing it's steam, it sounds like steam to me. So never minding the culinary horrors of cooking lobster, (laughs) he stabs this disembodied hand and then he runs back and Meltzer turns to Melissa looking all forlorn. His face is literally falling apart now. His ear falls off. Yeah. He's got no teeth and he's like, we could have been so happy. And he turns around as Angel bashes him in the face with something. I don't know what. I didn't notice what it was either. And it. Takes his head right off his shoulders. I was just really fucking entertained by this hilarious cartoony fight. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Cut to the next day. Yeah. Time for some wrap up. It was funny. At the end of that scene, I was like, so presumably they separated his body parts and disposed of them. I don't know. Maybe the wrap up will cover it. And it does. First line of the wrap up. Cordy's making some nasty looking recycled coffee. (laughs) Apparently, he's in 12 steel boxes buried in 20 cubic feet of concrete in the floor of L.A.'s newest subway station. Handy that they were building a subway station at the right time for you to dispose of a body. Do you want ghosts? Because that's how you get ghosts. (laughs) Right? Goddamn, guys. Jeez. Ah, (laughs) jeez. Ah, jeez. Jesus Christ. We need a poll on that, by the way. Should I go out for Halloween as... The dude from The Big Lebowski, or as Cheez-Its Christ, which, by the way, so take a look at my Twitter photo. Yeah. I've got the beard and the long hair. All I have to do is dress like a box of Cheez-Its and put on a halo. And I am Cheez-Its Christ. Is that not hilarious? I think that's hilarious. I think it is hilarious. All right. Um, The dude will be way more comfortable, though. Yeah. I'm still leaning towards the dude, because then I get to drink all the... White Russians I want that night. Hey, man, there's a beverage here. (laughs) Uh, I'll have to have a rug somewhere. (laughs) That ties the room together? Somewhere tying the room together. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to have that positioned ahead of time. Anyway, let's get back to this. <laughs> so We're almost done. The Mel shows up and gives them a potted plant as gratuity. Oh, yeah. and she pays them money. Yes. So Doyle and Cordelia run off to cash the check and oh. get smashed. So Doyle says, let's march down to the bank right now and deposit this beauty. And Angel says, uh, you guys go on. I think I'll stay here and not burst into flames. Right? <laughs> Good call. But yeah, they're very excited. They've had their first truly paying customer. And you know what? Doyle was fucking right because the attitude that Melissa has when she pays them is exactly the attitude that she needs to have. Yeah. Like the pep talk the angel did in dealing with this situation did great. She doesn't feel weak. She doesn't feel like this helpless victim of a person. Not only did he teach her to stand up for herself, but also 
she can stand here and say, I chose to pay them to help me with this situation. I did something. I took action. Yeah, fucking A. It's a very subtle brilliance to the end of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it only took four episodes for them to profit off of their good deeds. Right. Thank you, capitalist pig dogs. But they did, and everybody felt great about it. So, hey, it's not all bad. And Cordy's going on about how he needs to have more visions because they pay money. Yeah, we need more of these. Quick, have a vision. I can't just do it on demand. (laughs) But she says, if I hit you in the head, would you have a vision? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did he say anything after that? I couldn't pick up what he said. I turned the volume up and I had my headphones on and I couldn't quite make out what he said. All right, so they faded off into the distance. Angel puts the plant down and decidedly does not burst into flames. But he has a satisfied little smirk on his face. He puts it on his desk, which I like that little touch. Yes, he does. Gerarg. Gerarg. Is this for me? I must be ready. I need my strength. Strength. Give, 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 give me more! Nights, I shall give, walk give, in here. Hold on. You've got something here, huh? How'd you feel about this episode, Rex? I don't know. (laughs) Like, okay, I think they handled the subject exceptionally well. Yeah. Not just exceptionally well. I think they handled the subject as best as could possibly have been, especially for being a 90s show like this is. Yeah. Although it's in early 2000s at this point. Yeah. But it's the turn of the millennium, whatever. The point is, the cultural shift is not there yet, but they still handle it beautifully. Definitely. That being said, I think the villain is a joke. Oh, absolutely. There was no point where I was really the least bit... Like, I was a little skeeved by the villain and a little, like, put off by, like, the handsy parts. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I wasn't... I didn't feel any real threat here. Mm, I mean, he was creepy, though. Yeah, he was creepy, but not not scary. Outside of how well they handled this particular subject, I just don't know how I feel about the episode. Yeah, I thought as a Monster of the Week episode, it was pretty weak. Yeah. The plot was extraordinarily full of holes. Yes. So much so (laughs) that I was able to confabulate a new bit out of it. Which is a fun bit. Which is a fun bit. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I think my stan- my final stance, I'm going to say, it was not bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It did what it set out to do. It wasn't perfect, but it's an important episode. Yeah, it is definitely an important episode. And it did it without getting its head too far up its ass. And you know what? That right there did better than a lot of the first two seasons of Buffy. Definitely. It wasn't soapboxy. <laughs> Exactly. But it illustrated a point, and that's good. That's special. Like, actually special, not sarcastic special. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm going to have to go with the exchange between Angel and Kate. Uh, The quote of the day being Kate's line, where Angel says, Girl, client, she's being stalked, and I think it could get ugly. And Kate's response is... She's being stalked, then ugly it already is. And this is my quote of the day because this is how police should fucking respond to stalking. Preach it. Yes. Goddamn. There is no amount of preaching that is too much on this subject. Fucking A. 
What's your quote of the day? I'm going to go with Melissa's line. You turned yourself into a freak, Ronald. A vile, repulsive freak. And I'm done being afraid of you. You can cut me, you can kill me, but it still won't change what you are. Angel was right. You're weak. I love this line because it's empowering. It's somebody who has been in a fucked up situation, a fucked up mental state, and found her footing again, and I envy that, and I appreciate that Yeah, on a deep, deep level. Completely agree. And I could have gone with something quippy, but... That's not where this episode excelled. No. It, like, there was a lot of quip, especially from Doyle, but sure. the, the meat of this episode was in this profound, uh, real talk response to stalking and the reality of it. Yes. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, like I, like I said earlier, you know, something that I've personally experienced, you know, granted it was, it was really my mom that was experiencing right. it, but... You know, I was there, and that shit's no joke. It's really, really really fucked up. If you're a stalker, fuck you. Stop listening to our podcast and go be a better person. Or go to jail and stay there the rest of your life like that fucker that they did eventually catch. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, we got a little heavy there, but... uh, Yeah. The the episode called for it. The episode episode called called for for it, it. And I think we had a lot of fun. This has been an episode of Ale with Angel, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. No, but seriously, that is the number one way that you can help us out. It helps us be seen by other people, and it helps us rise in the charts and get ratings, and that is the number one thing you can do to help our podcast. Review us on iTunes if you have not already. I do want to note, I have actually looked, and we get a noticeable uptick in downloads anytime we get a review. Booyah! There you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. Or the T-Rex's mouth. Whichever you want to go with. <laughs> He's the motherfucking T-Rex! I hate that thing. Moving on. If you'd like to support <laughs> us financially, you can buy our merchandise at store.beerwithbuffy.com. We have stickers, t-shirts, hoodies, and a mug. You can also just throw your goddamn money out the window where we will catch it and put it in our little pockets <laughs> and use it on this podcast to buy beer and hosting and other stuff like food for Edgar. Please, he's starving. <laughs> Look at him wasting away over there. He's actually really fat. He's um, not fat. He's a large cat who requires a lot of food. He's fluffy. He's, he's fluffy <laughs> and big bones. So if you'd like to contribute to the big bonedness of Edgar, <laughs> head on over to patreon.beerwithbuffy.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. At any point in time that you see so fit, you can leave us a voicemail at 269-743-0783, which also is a textable phone number. It is a Google Voice phone number, so if you have Google Voice and you are abroad, as in not a United States citizen, you can use Google Voice to dial that phone number toll-free. Yeah. Completely so free. All, all you non-American fans, you can still call our voicemail. Requires just a little bit more work by setting up a Google Voice number. A little more work, a lot less money. Definitely. 
Big ol' thank you to J.J. Treadway for not all of our opening, closing, and transitional music, but the bulk of it at this point. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been Ale with Angel. I'm Josh. And I'm Rex. Have a good night. Counter speed, Rex. Reeves be with you. done why are we watching this <laughs>